One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is episode 94 with Belinda Coker. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Belinda Coca, and she's an international business consultant, an accomplished entrepreneur, designer, international marketer located in Australia. With her experience, Belinda assists companies and independent professionals negotiate opportunities in the vast global business landscape. Welcome to the show, Belinda. Thanks, Ted. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> now, so <laughs> what is your story? Tell us, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Sure, Taylor. Well, I suppose I've been a bit of a nomad in my time, you know, having started traveling with a backpack in the early 1980s, and I spent a lot of time in Asia. And I actually ended up doing a bit of voluntary work in northern India. And um, I suppose this early travel bug of mine, you know, because back in 1980, I, 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 was based, I was 18 years old when I sort of took off. And I suppose this early travel bug of mine helped shape my business philosophy now, which is, you know, the, the world is just one global community because it really is and um, hmm. I've had a series of businesses um, as you mentioned all in the design field from uh, bespoke millinery that uh, that was an earlier business that I had to bringing the the world the first designer reusable bag which is in Virasax now I'll, I'll expand on that one later and now I as you said I assist people manufacture in, Ta- in China and Taiwan um, using my relationships as the foundation of my business hmm. yeah so, so essentially, you know, travel, the things you learn from travel have helped in the formation of all the businesses you've had subsequent to, you know, your backpacking days. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I, I think... Uh I mean, with with the bespoke millinery, that was a that was something that I did very very early on in my uh, in my design career, and that was sort of making handmade hats for the for the ladies of Sydney to wear to the races, you know, and that was. Um, so that was quite sort of, um, you know, that was quite colloquial to, and, you know, it was very much, um, you know, um, just situated in one place. But everything else um, outside of that that I've done 
has 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 involved other cultures or it's involved other um, um, moving into other territories, and I've never really had a problem with it. You know, if if someone said to me, "Oh, you know, go and do a trade show tomorrow in in uh, in in Japan," I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. I would just get on a plane and go to Japan. I mean, it's not. Uh, whereas a lot of people, that sort of that whole concept would kind of freak them out a bit. No, no. I, I, I'm going to go. I want to touch on that more. So, what do you think about your experiences helped you become comfortable adjusting to different cultures? Uh, basically, I when I go into another culture, I, I I find myself so excited and wanting to be immersed into that culture and finding out about the people uh, the people within that culture, how they work, how they tick, um, what kind of food do we eat? You know, oh, we, we have a siesta, that's a sleep in the middle of the day, wonderful, okay, we, we do that. And basically just when in Rome do as the Romans do and that really does help you when you are um, entering into another culture or another business, um, sorry, another culture or another uh, territory to perform a business function, whether it would be opening up an office or just um, doing business with somebody or just even networking with somebody else. And um, and once you do find out about a, a different culture, um, you know, and immerse yourself into that, it's so much easier to, to do business. And um, I don't know. I just I just love traveling, and I love uh, I love I love spending time with people from other cultures. It really it really it makes my day. It's no, one of my things. <laughs> absolutely. One, one of the reasons I was asking is because I, I think with traveling, there's always there's a different mentality when you have. There's a tourist mentality, and there's the mm. local mentality. You know, and you can go into another country and, and approach it as a tourist, or you can approach it as a local. And I think. What you're you're saying, and when you're talking about you know immersing yourself is understanding you know getting comfortable being uncomfortable, but understanding some of the nuances, the cultural expectations, and that inevitably helps with some of the relationships you can um, yeah. build. Yeah, and you're very big on building relationships. I mean, in fact, I think you touched on it earlier when we were talking. What's your philosophy in this overall? Because your businesses have spanned across several continents. Um, and they've relied on the business relationship. So I'm, I'm curious about what your philosophy is. <laughs> okay, well, basically, building business relationships, to me, is just as important as, as building friendships and should be looked upon that way. Um, and, and the one thing that I do see often is, are people who network for their own self, self-seeking, um, grandiose sort of, you know, outlook and not even considering what they can offer the other person with whom they're networking. And it's basically like making a false friendship. And I've personally... Personal lives, it's not the done thing to befriend, uh, befriend someone so only you can benefit. And I have no idea why people then think that they can therefore form business relationships for this reason. And um, in a business encounter, you never know who you may be speaking to or where that person is headed for. They may even end up being your next boss or the next president or whatever. You know? So true, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And um, yeah, and in my mind, it's it's really important to treat business relations with respect. You may not you, you know may not want to be best buddies with them and asking personal questions may you know cross boundaries that you, you you know that you don't really want to go there. But maintaining characteristics such as trust and a, and a good communication base is paramount for a respectful business relationship that has longevity. You know? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of relationships, I know you do a lot of business in China. Um, and you know the 
the global Asia as, a, as a overall, really. But can you talk about how you establish relationships in China specifically? Because China is one of those cultures that, that many people have different opinions on, uh, right? Yeah, yeah and depending yeah. on what, what part of the world you're in. And you hear all sorts of opinions, but you've done that successfully. So can you talk about how you establish those relationships there? Sure. And um, Tay, you couldn't be further from the truth because, um, you know, to a lot of people, China's kind of like this black hole. Right. You know, especially people who are producing in China, you sort of throw money into this black hole and just hope that something that which you can sell comes out the other end, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I've actually written a blog about, uh, a post on, on one of my, on my blog about this, you know, the, the relationships um, in, a, in Asia, in China and, um, and, and Asia and you know, I could have written pages about it because, you know, it really is quite intricate. But um, it takes a long time to build a relationship in China. And the longer you know someone and the more effort you have put into the relationship, the relationship has greater value. You know, when I'm introduced to someone in China, the person introduce, introducing me will 99% of the time stipulate how long they've known that person. You know, even if it's just, you know, this is my friend, I've known him for a very long time. And that uh, to them, that's giving a lot of weight to the relationship, and, and you know, and they're very proud of how long they've known each other for. So if there's two businessmen, and they're sitting there side by side, and they've known each other for a long time, and the relationship has the longevity, that they're, they're exceptionally proud about that fact. And um, so, how did I form my relationships? Well. You know, after many trips to China and spending time with those who I now consider to be my close friends, and um, and, and as well as there's the infamous uh, Chinese banquet, and I, I kind of say infamous because it can be a test to your drinking ability. Oh, and many, wow. and many a Westerner has fallen short here. So when you do sit down at a banquet in China, you need to follow a pattern of toasting. And uh, in China, they, they drink a very strong rice wine called baiju. And being a woman, I think it's far easier to toast with substitutes such as, say, water or wine or, you know, not that the wine's that great over there. But um, so when we toast at a Chinese dinner or banquet, our toast is directed at one person only. And the words that are said before you drink are very important. And toasting a blessing on your relationship and, and you know, have longevity and be fruitful for both both parties is always a good one to start off with, and then you follow with one, you know, wishing wishing the other person health and prosperity for their family, etc., etc., and the list goes on. And you know, by doing this, you're cementing, you, you know, your your blessing. Of on that other person and, and you know just little things like that are so important and that's one of the the cultural things that I was talking about before how important it is to understand how a culture works um, yeah oh wow yeah and one of the I love what you said because that's very specific focusing on the length of the relationship and building that really they you know Chinese take a lot of pride in how long they've known you um, one one thing you also mentioned was the drinking, and this is something that that's I've, I have a lot of Chinese friends here, and um, they always tell me that one of the reasons they they make fun of me is because I actually I have nothing against alcohol, but I don't drink. But like if you come to China, you're going to drink. So <laughs> so they always tell me because my reason is not because I have no legitimate. I guess they always tell me I have no legitimate reason. I just don't like it's not my thing, right? But they're like, well. You're going to drink. If you don't drink, they're going to be... So I'm very curious. You do business with them. What happens if I go there and I'm like, 
I'm sorry, I don't drink. I mean, am I immediately looked upon as, as not welcoming or uh, what's the oh, deal? Oh, <laughs> look, you know, I mean, if they're, if they're friends with you to start off with, you can probably, you, you know, you can get away with it. But, you know, as I said before, you know, being a woman, it's much easier for me to say, oh, look, you know, I can't, um, I'm, I don't drink, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a woman, you know, in, in my culture, it's not done for us to be, you know, to drink or something, you, you make up something like that. And they go, oh, yeah, that's fine. But um, it is it, it is just part of the culture, and you know, if, if a man wants to go over there, yeah, you'd you. I mean, even if you just did a few toasts, and you know, man, so you're, you're telling me I'm not going to be able to escape. I'm going to have to just take a few sips. Uh, yeah, I was I was going to try and do the, the little drink and then flip it over over the back of my yeah. shoulder, but I think that would be too uh, too obvious. Wet. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, you know, I will continue to work on that because China is one of the places I haven't visited that I want to visit, but I don't want to leave that immediate bad impression. So um, <laughs> I'll, wor- I'll work on that because I'm going to be doing a lot of business. Okay. No, but that's good to know. So I like I like the fact that you said the length of the relationships and, and the way you went into detail about the toast. That's very enlightening to that. Uh, so, what mistakes do other businesses do then? Why did why is it that some countries don't get it? when they come there? Do they come in there expecting to do things their own way and not understanding that there's a certain tradition? Yeah, totally, really, and and you've nailed it. Um, And the common mistake Westerners make when they go um, over to China or in other, any Asian nation for that matter, is they just expect things to, you know, to, uh, to follow through like they do in their own country. And uh, a common mistake Westerners will make is being over-eager and impatient and not taking the time to nurture a relationship. And um, what this does is the Chinese counterparts then feel that the Western doesn't value the relationship or even sees it in simply, simply in terms of just a monetary transaction. And for that, it's a bit of an insult. Mm. And one thing that I haven't touched on is the term guanxi and um, it's what the basis of relationships are built on um, in China and um, it's it's one of those foreign words that defy tr- uh, simple translation into English and although it's often discussed um, I don't think um, any business concept is more understood than that when doing business in China. So guanxi basically means preparing the way for a long-lasting relationship. And so when a, when a, someone from America or Australia or wherever you might be um, in a Western world sort of, you know, plans to, you know, fly into China, have a quick business meeting, secure the deal, you know, and walk away with both parties happy, it's not going to happen. You know, it's it's not going to happen. You might end up walking away securing a deal, but it's um, but you haven't built the groundwork or the foundations for that business relationship, and you you're off to a bad start right from the very beginning. Hmm. So, if if uh, if I wanted to um, put the Guanxi in terms of manufacturing in China is. This is an example. Once you establish your Guanxi relationship with your end supplier, he will then work on the suppliers to make sure that they all provide quality components for your product. And what this what this ends up being is a, is a chain of good friends all working together to achieve a common goal. Um, and if there's a problem with your production line, your end supplier will invariably sort the issue out quickly and efficiently and no prior, having no prior relationship means that your problem will not be a priority and it can cause major, major supplies in your supply chain. Wow. Yeah. 
Huh, so yeah. establishing that is it's guanxi? Guan, guanxi, guanxi, yeah, guanxi, and and you would have guanxi with your Chinese friends. You know they, you know you would have you if you've got any good Chinese friends, yeah. you would have already established that. So if you were to do business together, um, for you know on 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 any level, um, they they would be watching your back. Gotcha. Wow. Um. Oh, that's this is this is really enlightening. I'm so excited to learn all this. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so excited. But okay, now China is obviously is a big part of Asia. But with Asia, um, one thing that people don't, uh, you know, realize is that it is actually more diverse. I experience this a lot with you know being Nigerian. People are assuming that Africa is one big country, but uh, yeah. Asia's got a lot of uh, you know, several countries with different personalities. I mean, what are some of the misconceptions? People, uh, people have about doing business in Asia overall. Well, um, well, Asia, Asia in itself is, um, you know, um, basically they they basically just need to be able to do the homework before they go into True. each each country. Like if they're going to Japan, and don't read up about China because Japan's going to be slightly different. Japan's going to have different, you know, nuances and, you know, and and different, you know, cultural, there'll be different cultural differences. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, and there's, and, and it goes with um, behavioral differences need to really be researched before you go there. An example would be the issue of business cards and age so, for example, if you're, you know, networking in, say, you know, or you go you go to a, um, a business trip to Asia, when someone when you give someone your business card or a sector business card, it's important to take it or receive it with two hands. And when you do receive one, you take your time to study it and admire the fact that this guy is the manager of such and such a company, which is actually the same as being the president of a company in America. They call themselves managers there. That's the, that's the highest um, rank. Then you never just take the card and put it straight into your wallet, and never, ever, ever, ever put the card into the back pocket of your trousers. That is the <laughs> ultimate insult. <laughs> but um, you know, and, and a lot of people don't realise that because when we do receive a business card, you know, from a from a somebody in um, you know in our Western culture, we'll have a look at it and we'll have a look at the graphics and we'll admire the graphics and you know and, and it goes into our wallet for you know for for use at a later date, and um, but. Asian business cards are pretty bland and boring, and a lot of Westerners sort of, you know, look at it, say, "Oh, yeah, great, got his details, and stick it in and in, in the wallet." And you've already insulted the person straight off. Uh, so you have to admire it and sort of acknowledge the yeah. acknowledge the position. That's interesting. You know, and, and I brought that yeah. up because I, I grew up, or you know, I grew up in five countries. One of the countries was Vietnam, and one of the things I learned while traveling through some of Southeast Asia is it's that it's so different. You know, Vietnam, I went there. It was very distinctly different from when I visited Thailand, for example. And I've had, you yeah. know, like I said, Japanese friends and, and Chinese friends. And, you know, first of all, they hate being compared to each other because that's just, they're very, very different. Um, but the, yeah. other, the other thing is just that some, some are more inclusive, some are more open, and some are more, um, they have just unique nuances. But the, yeah. the, the, the it, Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you find that, you know, the as the emerging markets are starting to become more of a terminology we use in everyday business, that they're opening up to, to Westerners? Uh, and and other concepts or other business ideas from uh, you know from Western counterparts. Um, I would say they are. I would say in China though, I think it really is still. Um, uh, um, if if you're looking at it from a from an individual doing a production or a company doing production on a smaller scale, uh, and, and we're not talking about a large company buying up a whole factory and putting their sort of company culture into it. I'm talking about if you're actually um, if you're actually uh, um, getting a supplier to to produce for you, you really they they st- things are still done the Chinese way. Right, they, they really are, and um, and and. I mean, I've done business in in Japan for um, quite a number of years, and although Japan is quite um, westernized in their business thinking, if you take the time to uh, to be on par with them with their with their cultural differences, you uh, you get a lot more respect. You you just do. It's um, that they appreciate it. No, and you're so right with China doing things their way. I mean, even with, um, you know, like, for example, China has their own Google. They have their own Facebook and their own Twitter. So whether it's Weibo or Renren, um, you know, their equivalent of Facebook and, and Twitter, it's it's there, right? So they have yeah. their, own, their own way. And it's, you know, Apple, I believe, has had, like, some form of relationship where they, they've worked out terms that Chinese can have it this way and it's done that way. So it's, it's understanding that and working through that. <laughs> so... Uh, and it's good that you raised that point because I had completely forgotten about that. Um, but it's true. It's you know you go to a different country, but you have to familiarize yourself with that and set your expectations. Otherwise, you're going to be a little disappointed. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, with, uh, oh, so go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, and and that's actually for me that's the fun part. You know, researching the other country. You know, whether or not I'm, you know, I'm going into Europe or wherever, is you know, it's the fun part. You know, right. treat it as something fun. You know, I agree. I agree with you. It's definitely it's very interesting when you learn about it. This, I, I think it's uh, it opens your mind for sure, especially when you you see like, okay, I'm going to have to. This is a new way of doing things. And sometimes when you go back to your home, you never know when that can come into play because it's. It opened your mind, and it might actually help your creativity. I find. Yeah. So. Yeah. Most no. definitely. So you uh, is it? And en- en- I'm gonna botch the name. Envirosex. 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 Yeah. S A X. Well. Guys, listen. Girls, girls, and guys, listen. I promise it's not what it sounds like. But that was that's a company that you 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 have or used to have. Um, well, I basically I, I still own the IP, okay, yeah, and yeah. Um, I still design and I still manufacture for the brand. Mm-hmm. So, um, but basically, Envirosex was my baby when I uh, was my baby. I started back in two thousand and four, and it was basically back in the days when people were barely starting to use reusable bags. Um, Envirosex is a, is a reusable bag company, a designer reusable bag company, um, and and when people were using reusable bags back in you know. 2004, they were darn ugly, and I came up with the idea 
<laughs> just put pretty graphics on the bags and try and make the, the use of reusable bags a fashion statement and, and make it fun. And it just mushroomed. And it started off with me door knocking the samples and, um, and back in 2004, environmentalism was not the buzzword it was 10 years later. And we ended up on the arms of a few major celebrities and the brand just then grew quickly into a multi multinational company with uh, offices and warehouses on five continents. So. Wow. So what was it like to set up staff, you know, in multiple countries? Here you are, Envirosex, taking off celebrities, using it um, in everywhere, and it's five different continents. I haven't lived in five different continents, so I'm, je- <laughs> I'm, je- I'm jealous of that. But then all of a sudden you find yourself as this entrepreneur who's, who's growing this amazing company in different companies, but it's in different countries. How did you set up staff? Well, um Basically, you know, we sort of uh, identified areas that we wanted to um, to have as logistics bases, and um, and we and we and we went in there, and we just um, started up either a um, either another company or a um, or an office of the Australian um, head office, you know, a, a basically a branch of the Australian head office, and um, and that was actually can I say that that was the fun uh, that was actually quite fun, and um, uh, it's not necessarily from the logistics point of view, um, but learning how to do it in each country and sussing out the various grants available. It, it was a fun learning curve. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed that. So, for example, we'd sort of say, right, okay, well, where in the USA do we want to be? And, um, you know, LA was sort of like the obvious choice because... Yeah. You know, because it's you know it's got the largest port, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we all thought, well, no, we don't want to be in LA because you know why don't we try San Diego? So, <laughs> <laughs> so we sort of went into into the into the areas that we wanted to do wanted to be in. We'd choose towns or cities that if we had to go there and spend some time there, we'd like it. I mean, no, I'm not saying I don't like LA, but. Um, you know, San Diego was kind of like my second home for about, you know, for about 10 years, and yeah. I loved the place, so, yeah. And, um, but what was fun, and I still, and I hold very fond memories of it, was it the company comradeship that each new staff member or startup office was brought into, and it was, it kind of became like this big global family, and friendships across nations were stuck up, uh, were struck up, and I, I, still, I still see my old staff members on Facebook still keeping in contact with each other, and, you know, and perhaps if some of these employers would not have had this opportunity if they'd, say, worked for a local council in their own, in their hometown, so, but, you know, used to, it, it was a really good atmosphere, it was a, it was a great atmosphere across continents. If you yeah. get my, yeah. you know what I mean. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And but as with many things, you know, you've got the bad, right? So the good, it was going good. You build relationships, and this was fun to set up the offices everywhere. But um, what were the challenges? Well, basically, when you um, when you have a multinational, you are dealing with several different time zones, and this was really where um, I found it difficult. And um, the one thing I have to say is just be very careful of burning out. You know, when you when you have offices in varied time zones, and you're a hands-on person like me, which um, <laughs> and, and it's and it's one of my faults. I am very hands-on, you know, but I've learned. <laughs> 
I've learnt my lessons. <laughs> you know, you can, find, you can find yourself like totally immersed and being present in the hours that your international offices are open. You know, for, I'll give you an example. Say, 7 a.m. my time is 2 p.m. in San Diego and 7 p.m. my time is 11 a.m. in Berlin or 10 a.m. in the UK. Right. And if there are issues to solve or if you feel that you have to solve the issues, that doesn't leave you much time to sort them out. Hmm. So you need to be far more proactive I feel than if you were just managing a company in your own time zone um, and I learned this the hard way you know huh so that, I'm just trying to imagine that you were just saying all these time zones I'm thinking when did she sleep <laughs> yeah exactly and it's not just when you sleep um, when when can you sleep but also when you can actually um, stop work and spend time with your family or recharge yourself or anything like that and those are fundamental important things that a business person has to be able to do mm. um, you know if, if I can't spend time with my family in the evening that's you know what's the point of being a mother right you know that's one of the basic necessities of being a mom you know just Taking care of the kid, yeah. <laughs> having time. You know, that's the thing. You know, and and you know, and I, I had a nanny, and I, you know, and the the bottom line is, is that I prefer to, you know, if I'm going to be hands on or anything, I want to be hands on with my kids. You know, and um, you know, and I was and I was actually thinking about um, um, so 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 I put in processes um, processes in place and. I think this is a really good example of what actually needs to happen if people are considering um, opening up globally. Um, and I kind of liken it to doing quality control because the reality is if you are manufacturing in another country, for example, China or Taiwan, um, you have difference, um, differences in, um, in time zones, geographic and cultural issues to contend with. Right. Exactly the same if you're managing an offshore office. Now, if you were to conduct quality control on the last day before shipment goes out, it's sort of like checking to see if the potatoes are cooked when they're on the table. And you basically run the risk of your stock not being up to standard and a whole host of other issues which are causing headaches and stress and mm -hmm. not to mention monetary loss. And if you put procedures in place and during QC throughout the production line, you check issues before they arise and you have a much smoother run. Right. And basically, if you don't put checks and procedures in place in your overseas office to ensure that the management is doing the job and the staff are doing what they're paid to do, etc., etc., you know, you have less of a chance of being bothered after 6 p.m. when actually you should be spending that time, you know, as I said before, with your kids or, yeah, you know, right. doing, a, take, doing a yoga lesson or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it sounds to me like you're saying setting up systems, uh, it's very necessary. Uh, one and also having that expectation of understanding that, you know, if you're building a multinational company, you have to have that good, per, you know, balance, you know, work-life balance. And if you want to have that, you have to make sure that you have this, the right type of systems that would leave you comfortable enough to, to maybe either automate or have someone else in charge so you wouldn't have to feel like you have to do every single business decision. Because it, yeah. it is difficult. I mean, I can't, I'm just trying to think. You're in Australia, San Diego, and you're mentioning Taiwan and all these countries. Time zones, it's, you know, it's kind of hard. And it can be frustrating and take the fun out of the business. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and that can get pretty exhausting, like you said. But, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and and you're right. Take, it took the fun out of the business, and um, <laughs> when, when business isn't fun, you know you don't want to be doing it. <laughs> you don't want me doing it, yeah. <laughs> you might as well. But um, no, it's, it's good. I, I appreciate you sharing uh, the lessons you learned from having that multinational. I think it's definitely something that the audience will benefit from, just because you know, as you communicate across cultures, one of the things to consider is building a multinational, but. 
um, you know, you got to make sure you're, you're aware of what you need to be, uh, you know, systems you need to put in place. But as, as we're winding down here, I want to talk to you on the personal front because, Belinda, you do something that I find very amazing. So you, with your kids, you take them to a third world country. Um, and I'm going to let you explain that reason. But I, I think it's very unique. I don't think a lot of parents do that. But why is that something that you decided that you needed to do for each of, each of your kids? Right. Okay. Uh, and thanks, Tao. Look, I, I really did want to mention this because this is something which is quite close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, but I, I have three children, so they're 18, 13, and, and 11. And when each of my kids reaches the age of 14, I take them to a third world country and, you know, we explore the sites a bit before we visit an orphanage for a week. Right. And there um, I get them to help out and work alongside the kids and they really learn how um, how blessed they actually are um, I take them at 14 because they're at 14 years old a child I think is a, at a really impressionable age where you know in, in our world they're subject to all sorts of material stuff and TV and music idols and social media and you know they, they start to change into an adult before your very eyes you yeah. know you've got this little child and then suddenly you've got someone who's you know walking and talking like an adult you know they're just, <laughs> they're just a smaller a smaller version of one and um and, you know, getting them out of that materialistic atmosphere into a world where kids have nothing but a few possessions and each other's laughter can be a really life-changing experience for them. Ah, so good. And, and how did your, your kids take care of it? I mean, I'm just thinking, hey, we are going to <laughs> such and such. And then what was the reaction? <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're pretty good at traveling anyway, but um, but um, their travel has, um, um, up until that stage, had kind of been um, with me on business trips uh, or family holidays or things like that. So um, it was for my son. Um, so, my, so my son, I took him to Thailand, and I think I spent spoke to you about this with this with Taylor was um, having having spent time in in, in Vietnam um, you'd know about the hill tribes in um, yes. in Thailand yeah. and um, the Arca tribe is one of the hill tribes that is based in the mountainous regions um, all throughout that area the problem is is that these nomadic tribes are actually without citizenship so they're subject to human rights violations lack of education options and discrimination and um, so I took my son to the children's rescue mission which is near Chiang Rai and it's a place that gives the children a safe place to live away from you know the abominable men who prey on these children to lure them into Thailand's sex industry now um, my son James um, he he's actually takes quite a lot of interest I think he takes after me but in, in other nations and other cultures and things like that and he found the whole concept of what this what this mission was actually doing extremely interesting and he he, he, he I had buy-in from him um, for with that fact um, that yeah that you know he found he found the whole concept of you know that there's nomadic hill tribes they don't have any citizenship they're displaced you know they're he he, he actually found it something that he wanted to get stuck into and um i'm planning on taking my daughter to india but i've got this feeling that she's just watching bollywood movies and she's got this really uh different idea of what it's actually going to be like <laughs> well, I, i'll have to follow up with you on that but i'm not but, but i you know what I, I think it's really cool though I, I was um uh i was talking to my roommate earlier today and we were talking about why some of these problems exist in the world and we said it was lack of education i think what you're doing is is, is a way to educate 
and, and give them a great perspective on what the world is like and why certain things happen at mm -hmm. such a very early age. Because you're right, that's an impressionable age. And I, I remember growing up and, you know, it was always interesting seeing all these new perspectives. But I, I mean, I started traveling when I was I was a kid. Granted, I didn't have a choice, but it, it, it was it, it was a, it definitely gave me a different perspective of the world. Um, and, I, you know, I was like, wow, this is something that I can apply to my everyday life. And it's, you know, it's kind of led to what I'm doing now. But I, I just wanted yeah. to commend you on that. And I, that's that's really great. And I'm glad you got the chance to share that on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. Today we've learned about China. I've also learned that I might need to take a few more sips of alcohol, right? If I if I want, if I want to do successful business. But um, so I mean, you, you basically you've talked about what it's like to do business in China, Asia overall, and kind of the, the the good and bad of owning multinational companies. Um, where can we find out more about what you do and how can we support? Sure. Um, look, I can be contacted through my website, which is um, beluco.com, which is B-E-L-L-O-U-C-O.com. And also there you can see my blog, which is which I'm currently running a series of posts called Outsourcing in China 101. Mm -hmm. And um, I probably, um, you know, I would have, um, I'm planning a post on banqueting as well, so that might be out there by the time this goes live. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, and I'd love to hear from anyone who has any comments on what I've spoken about or, you know, wants any further information on on, on anything that I've talked about. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to sort of, you know, communicate with anyone out there. Absolutely. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. I really think you should start a course on this because I, I, was, I was engrossed in your stories about what it's, you know, I like to do business in China and some of the terms they're using because it was, you know, I was like a student listening on the back. I forgot I was interviewing you. I was like, oh, all right, all right, all right. What else? What about that? What about that? But um, I think I think a lot of people benefit from that. You know, it's, it's a very big market and understanding how to get into that market and work with the, you know, you know, with Chinese citizens is, is, is going to be key. So, yeah, yeah. Even and even understanding outsourcing period uh, can be beneficial for companies that want to grow globally. So I think it's. Yeah. Definitely beneficial. Well, I just want to thank you once again for coming on the show, and uh, I can't wait for this to, to get out. Okay, brilliant, Taylor, and it really was a pleasure. Thank uh, you. It was my pleasure. <laughs> You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs>